Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Thanks for being a part of another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And I shouldn't have to tell you that for you guys, I am constantly trying to come up with new content to offer you. And you know, the best way that you can have access to as much Sam Roberts Wrestling content as humanly possible is through Stitcher Premium. It's the premium version of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, available exclusively at stitcher.com slash notsam. Here's what you get over there. Not only will you get this here podcast every Thursday morning, totally ad-free, only place to get Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast ad-free is at Stitcher Premium. You will also get an exclusive show for premium listeners, only available at stitcher.com slash notsam, and that show is called Captive Audience. What I do is I take somebody who's in my life, my dad, my wife, a buddy from high school, whoever it is, somebody that might not be the biggest wrestling fan in the world, and I sit them down in front of the WWE Network, and together we watch a pay-per-view that generally this person would never watch. It's done in real time. So you can sync it up with the WWE Network and you can watch along with us as I try to make sense and try to explain to this person next to me why we're seeing on screen what we're seeing. Just last week, I had my wife watching New Blood Rising. Every other Monday, a new show comes out. We've done New Blood Rising. We did WrestleMania 9. We did uh, Uncensored 95. So much stuff. Still to do, and the only way to listen to all of it is to subscribe at stitcher.com slash notsam. Not only will you get the premium version of this podcast when you sign up, but you'll get the premium version of every podcast on Stitcher that has a premium version, all for one low cost. Just go to stitcher.com slash notsam, sign up, become a part of of Stitcher Premium for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Premium and start listening to Captive Audience. Now, let's start the show, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I can't believe it's only about a week away. It's almost WrestleMania time. I feel like it's really snuck up on us. You know, I I just, and maybe that's every year at WrestleMania, but I feel like WrestleMania is in like three weeks. Not one week, but I, I get very excited, especially this year. I mean, look at the card. Especially the way the card has been developing, it it, it looks like it's going to be an amazing night. I can't wait to be down there in New Orleans uh, to be a part of everything, all the high drink, hijinks and chicanery that go along with WrestleMania weekend and what it's become. It really has become an extraordinary part of the wrestling landscape in the sense that WrestleMania weekend is not, it's not just a WWE event. It's a weekend where all pro wrestling kind of comes together. And, and celebrates this industry and, and all fans. It's one of those things, you know, there was uh, research done and statistics done about uh, who, how many people were going to each event over WrestleMania weekend. And it was clear that there are people who travel out to whatever city WrestleMania is taking place in 
and don't even go to WWE shows. They skip Hall of Fame, they skip NXT, they skip WrestleMania, they go to Ring of Honor, they go to the WrestleCon stuff. But it's really going to be amazing, you know, um, obviously I'm going to be going to all the WWE stuff, but if you go over to the WrestleCon website, there's so many cool shows going on. I saw uh, Impact uh, was started announcing the Impact versus Lucha matches. They're doing Sammy Callahan, except he's representing Lucha Underground, so he's using his Lucha Underground name versus uh, Eddie Edwards in an, uh, I think it's an I Quit match, which is a super grudge match. Ring of Honor's got uh, Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. Uh, so many different. Of course, Joey Janela, who's done the podcast here, is coming back for his second annual spring break. MLW's going down there and doing Wale Mania and Pritchard Show Live. There's just so much stuff. And then forget about, like, you've got WrestleMania, which has, on paper, one of the best WrestleMania cards in years. You've got uh, Hall of Fame which has Jeff Jarrett going in, which nobody expected, and the star power of Bill Goldberg. You've got NXT, TakeOver, which I don't think anybody is questioning whether or not that's going to be an amazing show. Uh, and then Access, all day, every day. You've got, it's the one time of the year where you can go to a city and for the entire weekend, all day, every day, basically Thursday afternoon through Sunday night, there is multiple, not just there is wrestling going on, there are multiple sources of wrestling-related entertainment happening at once. There's two different giant wrestling conventions happening all weekend long, you know? And what I would do, if, if this is your first WrestleMania weekend, I would definitely try to check out both, because here's the difference. Access, you have to go to, just because, you know, you get to see... WWE stuff, for me, access isn't even so much about the autograph signings. Like, the autograph signings are cool, but you do have to wait on long lines for them unless you have those, like, VIP passes or whatever. But my favorite part of WWE access is, like, the Hall of Fame exhibit where you get to walk through and you get to see, like, the old championship titles and the outfits and all that stuff. Uh, last year, they had the Raw, the R-A-W set, you know, where they would, where the entranceway would actually spell out Raw. That was there. They had uh, the Elimination Chamber, of course, is always there. All the big pay-per-view posters. Uh, and then there's actually wrestling going on. They, their NXT is set up there, and they do, like, legit NXT TV tapings there. And I'm sure all the British guys will be there, and the 205 guys will be there. So it really is an outstanding thing where you just get this unique experience to be super close to everything that is WWE. But what I would do, honestly, I would treat this like like Disney World, where, of course, the Magic Kingdom is the main attraction, but you got to make sure you got time for Hollywood Studios. You got to make sure you got time for Animal Kingdom. You got to make sure, you know, Epcot gets an evening if you really want to see Epcot. But I would say do Access one day and do WrestleCon another day because WrestleCon is where you really go to meet guys. Like, it really depends on what your priority is as a fan. If you want to see all, like, the cool WWE stuff and props and, and contraptions and, and everything, if, you want to, if, if, if that's what you like, go to Access. If what you want to do is meet wrestlers and take photos and get autographs and stuff, make sure you also check out WrestleCon because those are, those are just so fun. And at WrestleCon, there's shows going on all the time as well. And that's where, like, uh, uh, a couple of the British promotions are coming down. Impact's coming down. Lucha's going to be there. Uh, every Everyone. Everyone. And then, of course, Ring of Honor is running separately. So 
just a fun weekend, and I was just thinking about all of it. And it's actually really fitting that we talk about the pro wrestling landscape as a whole for this week's episode of the podcast, because this week, you know, we've had a string of WWE personalities here on the show, but I had the opportunity to talk to Nick Aldis and Austin Idol. Nick, of course, uh, the former Magnus, who is now the NWA uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, and I definitely took up that offer, I was, and I was excited about it because I think that uh, Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan are doing legitimately doing something really, really interesting with NWA, and I wouldn't, I would just not talk about it. You know, I wouldn't trash it if I didn't like it. But if I didn't like it, I would just not mention it because who cares? You know, I don't, I don't have to by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm into it. I'm really into it. I think that, uh, you know, they started this thing called Ten Pounds of Gold when Billy Corgan. And Dave Lagana announced that they were kind of taking over the NWA and that Billy Corgan had, had bought the intellectual property and everything. At first, it was almost like, what is this guy doing? You know, you, he, is he starting his own promotion? Is he going to try to revitalize the NWA? But they're really looking at it from a 2018 perspective. And what they're doing is basically they're owning the intellectual property of the NWA, and and not worrying about creating a promotion. So they create 10 Pounds of Gold, and that is a, a, a kind of a narrative YouTube show where in the most effective way that I've ever seen it on a regular basis, they're combining the real-life story of the guys that are representing the NWA. It started with this guy, Tim Storm, who honestly I had never even heard of before this story, but... He's this guy, I think he's like 53, he's a a school teacher during the day, but at that point he was the NWA champion. And they told his story, and they talked about the fact that he was a a school teacher during the day, and they talked about the fact that he was 53, and they talked about the fact that he was not making WWE money or anything even close to it, but that this is just a dream of his. And it really made you care. It made you care about this guy, it made you care about the title. All of a sudden, this brand that a lot of people consider dead uh, means more because you're now also thinking about Tim Storm and his dream and all this stuff. And that's why legit when uh, Nick Aldis won the championship, I didn't see the match because I wasn't in attendance at the time. But when I read that it had happened, I was like, really? They took it off Tim Storm as if, you know, and it's all because 10 pounds of gold made me care. So what they're doing is they're having Nick Aldis as the NWA champion and his manager, Austin Idol, who was a a big star in the territory days, specifically in Memphis. He was a big star in Memphis, but he he traveled the country, the world really, uh, as as a big flamboyant star. Uh, He had a, a, a massive feud with Jerry Lawler that became very famous in Memphis, but he is now acting as Nick Aldis's manager. And instead of trying to create a new NWA promotion, what they're doing is they're having Nick and Austin Idol go to the various big independent shows throughout the country. So I think last weekend they were at House of Hardcore. I know uh, Nick has has defended the title at my buddy Pat Buck's uh, WrestlePro shows. Uh, but but all around the country, Nick 
is going from show to show representing the NWA and the NWA championship. I think with the idea being that eventually they would like this title to be seen as kind of the champion of wrestling outside of WWE. And I think this is a great way to do it. And it, and it, it gives you a taste of what the NWA used to be uh, with, you know, a single body that uh, presided over all of the territories. And since they're not going to be able to do that because the territory system is dead, instead, they have their NWA champion going from promotion to promotion to promotion with the idea that it will build prestige. And it works for both people because the more he defends it on more shows, the more people take the title seriously. And if people take the title seriously, it's a nice thing for promoters to be able to advertise, hey, the NWA championship of the world is going to be on the line tonight. You know, that's a built-in attraction. So I think it's really, really interesting what those guys are doing. And I wanted to talk to to Nick and to Austin uh, about what this process has been like, especially Nick, who made a name for himself in Impact, was one of the few to have done that, but then left Impact, and I think it felt like it was a little up in the air what was going to happen to Nick Aldis, especially, you know, this is a guy who's married to Mickey, married and has a kid with Mickey James, who is in the WWE, but we don't see Nick Aldis pop up in WWE. What does that mean for him, and, and how did winning the NWA championship and becoming the guy that represents that title make things easier or more difficult for him. A lot to get into, and we get into it right now. My guests this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the champion of the National Wrestling Alliance, Nick Aldis, and his manager, Austin Idol. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, joining me now, representing the National Wrestling Alliance, it's heavyweight champion of the world, Nick Aldis, and Manager of Champion, Austin Idol. What's going on, guys? What's the haps? Oh, not a lot. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. What's what's it uh, what's it like right now to be a part of the uh, resurgence of the NWA? It's it's very cool. I, I was I was mentioning this um, earlier on. It's um it's it's the first time in my career that I've really felt like I've been part of something um, from from the from Jump Street. You know, like which is funny because. The NWA is the oldest yeah, wrestling organization right. it's, on the planet. Exactly, and it's so so it's a it's a very strange, uh, but also very sort of exciting situation because obviously we're touching on all this history and we're we're sort of we're building our our show and 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 our individual brands off of the the legacy that was you know that, that's already there, but at the same time we're because we're sort of taking this new delivery system but using kind of more traditional values it's it really feels like you're part of something from the beginning and obviously just because the team was so small from the from the start when billy corgan purchased the nwa you know billy and dave lagana are working together on it and then they contact me and say this is what we want to do and we'd love you to be a part of it i mean that you could as a talent you couldn't be involved in something from any earlier point so it's 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 very cool to see how far we've been able to come in in less than a year and it's exciting to see how far we can go with it. Well, it's been really cool to watch. Like as a as a fan, I'm always interested in seeing, especially now, like the not only the content delivery methods, but the storytelling methods mm. that you get across to an audience in 2018. Because everything is just different now. And watching, whereas before the NWA really uh, proceeded like over all of the territories, so the right. champion would go from territory to territory. Now, you guys are telling the story of that specific championship on youtube yeah 
and you as the champion are going to the various independent, bigger independent spots across right. the country that are already existing, correct? Yeah, and that's kind of, that's that's the way that we looked at it and we sort of stumbled on it in a way because I just already had a lot of these existing bookings and then we they ju- it just sort of fit into what we were doing with the NWA and suddenly we were, even we were a little taken aback at just how quickly these promotions were like, can we get an NWA title match, you know, and and, and huh. we suddenly realized that Hey, th- this 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 sort of traditional situation of the traveling champion, that that kind of there was a period where it didn't really work. It didn't fit in the model of the sort of you know in the nineties and into the early two thousands. But now it's sort of because of the way things have evolved again with you know with the the delivery systems and with all these sort of what so called super indies and all these different things where everyone's sort of got their own definitive audience and definitive show styles and definitive fan bases. It kind of works all over again. So and we're you know able to slot ourselves into some of those and i think just because of it, the timing is right the uh the the, the flair 30 for 30 thing was a big boost for us right. because it it just created it, it reminded everyone of this the sort of aura and the history and one of the things that that happens when you know you're you know you're involved with wwe it's like that they're, they're they're evolving so quickly and they're just hey we got a new thing and another new thing and another new thing it's like in a way that the, the fact that this championship is still the same championship and, and the NWA is still the NWA and everything. It's like people are sort of gravitating to that and going, that's a traditional, like that's the world championship, you know? And I know like, what that is. Right. 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 And it's like people, sometimes we get people will say like, why don't they get a new belt? So then it's like, well, would you change a Stanley cup? Right. You know, would you check like, or if I say to people, would you change the FA cup in football? You know, it's like, no, that's the, that's the belt that Ric Flair held. That's the right. belt that Dusty had. And you know, at Harley race, it's like, that's the point, you know, yeah. it's the brand but, by itself. But it's also like, because, you know, for, for years people talked about the NWA being a dead brand. Mm-hmm. But what I've kind of been so impressed by is that you've got Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana who came in and, you know, bought the rights to the legacy almost. And instead of creating a home promotion, they realized like we don't have to create a promotion we just need to tell stories based around right. this legacy that will now exist in whatever promotion is your home promotion right. eventually and yeah. you know, nostalgia will always be huge right it doesn't make whether it's rock and roll or your favorite sporting team it doesn't make any difference nostalgia will never go away so this is kind of cool because with the nwa you can grab all the that nostalgia audience oh man i remember that one. you want a tbs at 605 you know I remember, they remember all that and regardless of where it was mm-hmm. whether it was in florida championship wrestling or in texas you know we had all those territories but what is really cool about this you've got the nostalgia people who are gravitating and now people who really didn't really know too much about it NWA because it was asleep, and now they're starting to say, hey, that's that's cool, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. And this guy wrestles. I mean, he's a wrestler. I mean, that's when he's an athlete, he's a professional athlete, but he's a wrestler, you know. And that's what I love about Nick. And it did from the beginning when I before we ever really hooked up, you know, with an agreement that I said he's an athlete. He's a real smart guy, but he's an athlete. He is a real wrestler. And that's something that's kind of slipped away a little bit over a period of time. And I do really believe, and we all do, that there's an audience out there that says, you know what, that's good stuff. Yeah, and that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Just 
putting out stuff that's good. That's good yeah. stuff, um, man. How do you feel, Austin, about as a guy? I feel who, great. Look yeah. at me. <laughs> well, how I feel. How could you look not? Look at me. How could you what not? What kind of question is that, Sam? <laughs> with, uh, with WWE kind of taking reign over pro wrestling history. You know, you turn on the WWE network and that narrative has kind of shaped around it used to just be WWE and WWF. That was the history of that promotion, that territory, the Northeast. Now it's like when you think of WWE, it's WWE, it's WCW, it's ECW, it's all the territories, it's world class. Like that is all under this umbrella of WWE. As a guy who was never who was a star in wrestling but not necessarily for a McMahon. How do you feel about the fact that that has happened with the business? Well, it's just uh, it, it's happened, you know. So you can't turn back the clock. But and you got you have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vince saw it, an opportunity, and he uh, he went after it, and he grabbed everybody up. He grabbed all the territories, most of the libraries, uh, you know, all the footage. So I mean, give him his give him his due. You know, very very smart guy. I mean, incredibly successful. But it didn't really it doesn't really affect me because you know I I had a. You know, I was very fortunate, Sam. I'll tell you the truth, man. I, I I was able to kind of carve out my career the way I I had control over it, and not in the beginning, not in the beginning, because you know you're you know you're cutting your teeth and you're grinding it out and you're grinding it out and you're looking for a break here or a break there. But when you, I was fortunate enough to get a you get you know you can get it, have an opportunity, but doesn't necessarily means that you're going to be successful. Right, you may flop, you know, fall on your face, you know. But I had some good opportunities, and my best opportunity really was it was in, it was in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was in and out of Memphis, Tennessee for a decade, longer than anybody, longer than anybody, mm-hmm. and I had control over my destiny. I really did, and they knew it. They didn't like it. Promoter knew it, didn't like well, it, but he was stuck did, with me. Why did you have control over your destiny? Because I was box office. Right. You just, you were going to do what you wanted to do because you're not going anywhere. People are coming to see you. Yeah, but but I mean, there is a fine line there. I mean, you still have to be a business person. Sure. You know, so hey, look, you know, okay, you don't want to wrestle full time. This is back in those Memphis days. I said, no, I don't want to wrestle full time. And play because Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, and the once a month at Rupp Arena in in Lexington on Thursday, those were the events those were the venues i would go to i didn't care about thursday night and friday night i wouldn't even go to nashville why i I, why why because i could stay home and be on the beach you're still making your money i'm still making my money i see i'm getting all the big shots you're right i'm getting the the money shots Uh i'm getting the money shots i mean i still had to put fannies in the seats sure of course but at that time monday tuesday wednesday is the money days not uh, not weekends? N- n- right. Gotcha. Yeah. So you know, Mondays my, at the Coliseum, my, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my deal was, I want the money shots. You fly me in, you fly me out. So I worked three days a week. I was four days. I was off. Do what I want to do. So I did that for ten years, man. Right. So there was no part of you that's sitting there going like, ah, oh, I really want that that WWF run. I really want to see what's going on, you know, in New York because you had a great deal. Yeah, I I could care less, right? Because I knew what those guys had to do. I mean, they had to just grind it out, and it is a grind. And I and I, I've had those moments. I mean, I I mean, I was in the Mid Atlantic for a while, and it was a grind. I mean, it would wear you down, man. And finally, I said, I'm out of here. Yeah. What What about you, Nick? Before this thing really starts to take off, and you realize, like, okay, I think I'm going to leave Impact. You know 
global force, whatever mm. you know you want to call it at the time. But when you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm that's been my home promotion. I'm leaving. Right. I don't really know. Did you know what was next, or no, did you? Not, not at all. Right. Um, honestly, I was a little disenfranchised with the with the business because you know in general, yeah, because yeah. Um, you know I felt like. Uh, everybody was, everyone was fighting over the same fan base, you know, like the, and then even WWE started kind of catering to that fan base and there's nothing wrong with that. It was fine. But, I, and I just, but it it was a fan base that didn't necessarily really fit with. What you know, fan base is that? Well, the guy, the, 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 the very discerning fans that enjoy that, the, the, their focal point is much more on the, the in-ring wrestling and the, you know, the particular style and, and the, the qualities right. of, you know, of, of that, the elements that are more, much more about the execution of a wrestling match rather than the emotion and in the story and the, the angle story and, the, yeah, and yeah. the making people feel something. And the emphasis was so much on that, and and the people were being rewarded, you know. And and again, I'm not bitter about it. I was just just looking at it as a businessman and going, uh, that's not me. Um, and you know, I can't like that. Uh, so there was a part of me that was starting to look at other options and just, and was for the first time in my adult life was, was contemplating doing something else because it was like, look, I got in, you know, I got into this because I love it, but I also wanted to make money and I did make money. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to just keep toiling around, you know, just, just to, to be a mark. I'm going to, you know, if, if, if the money's not there, I'll, I'll have to go do something else sure. because ultimately I want to live a certain lifestyle, you know, and I've got a kid to feed. So it was like, you know, and, and for whatever reason, they're, wasn't an opportunity for me at, at WWE, uh, you know, uh, and we can talk for 20 years about what they may or may not be. And no one will ever give you a straight answer. And I can tell you what I think it is, but, but no one really knows for sure, except for probably Vince and Hunter or whoever else. And it's like when Billy and Dave contacted me, Dave contacted me first and just kind of said, and he was, he knew. And he said, I want to know where your head's at. But like, cause you seem like you're kind of not, you know, because I had done, I had, I had done the little bit again, gone back with, with to impact and done those few bits with, with sure. uh, work the angle with Alberto. And obviously, you knew Billy and Dave from Impact. Dave more so. Okay, I knew Billy. Billy had come in at the very tail end. His first set of tapings as creative were my last gotcha. set of tapings, and that was when we were doing me, me and Mickey were doing the angle with with James Storm and all that. And, you know, so we, we worked together maybe on like one or two segments and it was, it was enjoyable. It was fine. I, I did, you know, I felt like we were on the same page. I felt like he had a good, you know, good handle on it, but I, I didn't really get where he, I didn't know where, who, where he was at, what he felt about me or anything like that. And I certainly didn't know what his philosophy was on the business as far as, as an owner, you know, I, I'll be honest where I assumed because he's, you know, he's an artsy guy and he's a rock star and everything else. I assumed he'd probably be into that hipster wrestling as well, you know. So I was just kind of like, I, I doubt that he's really right. that interested in in me because, you know, it just seemed like the the sensibilities of the fans were sort of heading in a different direction. So you're a little bit worried that he's like a smart mark with money that's no, coming in. Say and... A smart mark, but just. <laughs> You know, just just catering to that audience because everyone yeah. just everyone just I feel like everyone just sort of rolled over and just gave these guys the keys. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I'm I have no issue with those fans, right? right. I don't, if they like a certain thing, like like it, I'm cool with it. Right. What I take issue with is when they they sort of force out everything else, you know, and they sort of they they have to sort of they set up shop and take ownership of it and, and drive everybody else away. You know, like well, we I you know I just don't understand that because. I'd rather be the prince of a real big castle mm -hmm. than be the king of a shitty little one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and like, I feel like I'm on my own in that mentality to a degree. Like, 
like I don't know what the top guy in WWE makes today, and I'm not counting Cena because he's kind of in and out, right? But let's say whoever it is, right? Whoever the top earner is, right? But, Roman Reigns, maybe, right? Maybe, right. but I'm sure they're making great scratch. Sure, but like the overall earnings, I guarantee you that that they're, they're probably even though you know we're, we're talking 20 years later, so with the economy changing and inflation and everything else, they're probably less than like than what like mid card guys were making in the Attitude Era. Gotcha, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like to me. I, I'd rather if I had to be on Stone Cold Steve Austin's undercard, but still be over and still make money and stuff like that. I'd I'd rather do that. That's the castle you want to be the prince of, yeah. As opposed to the king of. Uh, to yeah. me, it's like what's what's going to draw the most money and what's going. It doesn't have to be me, right? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. I don't have to be the champion. I don't have to be the top. I don't have every. Not everyone has to kiss my ass and and give all my matches five star ratings and say this is awesome. This is awesome. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just want to be on something hot. You know, and it was yes. like, that's the way I approached the business. That's the way that the guys who I sat under the learning tree of, like Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner and Booker T and guys like that, that's the, that's the mentality they approached. They approached it like a business. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I have such admiration for, not just because he's such a good friend of mine and we've known each other for years, but like with Marty and the, and the, and the Bucks and, and Cody to, you know, to a certain extent, all these guys, because they're... I, I said, to, I did Wade Keller's show a few weeks ago, and I said, like, I, my advice, and I have no axe to grind with WWE. My wife works there. Of course, right. I, I don't want them to fail. I want them to succeed. I want them to thrive. Yeah, because at the end of the day, there's WWE money coming into your household, sure, too, right? Sure, yeah. right? Like, thanks, Vince. You know what I mean? Like, I, if, if I meet the man, I'll shake his hand and say, thank you for, you know, helping us feed our, you know, feed, feed the my kid. family, yeah. right? Like, and, and even, even though he's never paid me directly. Right. I still owe him a debt of gratitude sure, because he created the, the, you know, the, the overall sort of style of the business that I fell in love with that made me want to be a wrestler. Right. I grew up watching WWF. Yeah, because that style that you're talking about sure. is a WWF sure. style. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and so, but having said that, I, I believe that guys, guys coming into the business, if their ultimate, their, their ultimate goal should not be just to make it to the WWE. I think your goal should be to draw money. Right. I think everyone's goal always should be to draw money because if you draw money, then you will end up there anyway, or you would think, or you would hope. Right. right? They want to make money. But if, if you're right, drawing if, money, they want the sure, guy drawing money. Sure, if you draw money, yeah. money, you can write your own ticket, and there's nothing wrong Which with that. Which is exactly what Austin was just talking sure. about. Sure. Right? And, and, you know, uh, like, people can say whatever they want about me or, 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 or like, TNA and everything else, but, like, one of the reasons I was able to stay there and to continue to make more each year was because I had I I kept an eye on on certain things that I had an effect on the UK market, you know the the UK TV ratings, and even the US ratings when I had the the title there and stuff and and I you know and I would keep track of all that stuff and I'd be like well, I'm I'm doing okay here yeah you know and, and as far especially with the UK market I mean like I had people from in I knew people because I worked for Sky Television before I came to to, to TNA. And they owned Challenge and all this, the same platform. They would tell me like, "Hey, you know, after you left or after you lost the title, like numbers went down, and you know, after you so left you the companies, they fell off a cliff." You know, and I, I kept all this stuff. And uh, you know, to me, I was kind of like looking at all that and going, despite all this evidence, there's that you know, there's no, there's no opportunity here. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So. Looking at that, I was, you know, I'd done a little bit with Jeff and I'd done some stuff, you know, with Global Force and it was, you know, it was fine. It was whatever. And, and again, Jeff was, you know, he put me in a top spot, you know, and it was, and it was, it looked like it was starting off on the right foot. We had the stuff in at the Orleans in Vegas and 
You know, I went over on Bobby Roode in the finals with Chael Sun in there, and I mean, it, it, there was a lot of good stuff going on. It just didn't materialize. But the one thing I, I wish I hadn't gone back and done those 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 last set of impact tapings, hmm. just because it just didn't do anything for me. But at that by by the time we'd finished up that that piece of business, I was just I started to go. I don't know if this is a business I want to be in anymore. You know, and then that's when they called me. So it was sort of fortunate for me in that respect because when he laid out what his vision was of storytelling and yeah. And, and just his overall philosophy on what he felt like pro wrestling was and what he wanted it to be and what we wanted to sort of create. I went, okay, that's, that's what I want to be involved with too. Before we take it a step further and we'll get back to Nick and Austin in a second, we were talking about WrestleMania. And as we talk about independent wrestling and what the NWA is doing, we talk about how many shows there are available for you guys to all go and see on a regular basis. It becomes difficult to keep track of when these on sale dates are and how to find the best deal on tickets to all of these shows. Well, let me tell you something. You know I like to tip you guys off to cool stuff. Look no further than SeatGeek. Get that app on your phone. The SeatGeek app will take you where you need to go. Whether it's a wrestling show, whether it's a comedy show, whether it's a concert, whether it's a sporting event, Broadway, whatever it is, SeatGeek is going to hook you up. It's so easy to use. I have it on my phone. All you have to do is type in the event. You could type in WrestleMania. I'll type it right now. Type it in WrestleMania. Right away, it takes you to a seating chart. It shows you all the tickets that are available. You're going down to New Orleans. Maybe you were just going for Ring of Honor. Well, now you can get WrestleMania tickets too. Maybe I want to sit. I want to. I want to get one of those Frank the Clown seats. I want to. I want to sit right up close. Okay, Seat Geek's got it. You know what? I don't want to spend too much money. I want to know that I'm getting a good deal on whatever tickets I get. No problem. Just check the way all the tickets are rated on Seat Geek. They will tell you what the best deals are. They will tell you where the best seats are. Whatever you want, SeatGeek has you hooked up, okay? I might just use SeatGeek to pick up tickets to uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce on the run too. My wife wants to see Beyonce again. I'm too busy to try to be sitting there at a computer making sure as soon as the tickets go on sale, I didn't even worry about it because I know that when the time comes, I'll be able to pull up that SeatGeek app and I'll be able to get tickets to wherever I want to go. You know, they, they take data from all the sources throughout the web. This isn't like you're using one service instead of another service. SeatGeek gets all the data from everywhere and puts it into one app so you know that you're not going to find a better ticket anywhere else. And it's all done in just a few taps. Listen, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app onto your phone. Best of all, my listeners, the people here today are getting $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. As if the deals you were getting weren't good enough, $20 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, SAM. Put that promo code in. They're going to knock $20 off your first purchase, whatever it is. You find tickets that are like $22, now that you're paying $2 because of me. Promo code SAM. Download the SeatGeek app. Enjoy it. Go where you want to go. And let's get back to the NWA's heavyweight champion. Right. So, and, and, you know, it's it's been phenomenal. And I'm, I hope that we can continue the momentum and keep growing. Is it difficult on an emotional level, before you get that call, to kind of just have to deal with the fact that there's a spot for your wife in WWE, but right now not for you. Or sure. 
It is difficult. So I mean, how could it not be? Right. I, I could sit here and say it's not. You right. know what I mean? Of course it is. Especially when I'll tell you what I find really interesting is mm-hmm. that like I, I went to the Hall of Fame last year and I'll I'll go again this year and it's like I meet all these guys and now especially it's like half of the roster are guys that I've worked with on top and you should bring the belt with you when you go like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like and then uh but then also I meet all these guys that used to work there in the office and they all go, man, I really wanted to sign you. You know, I, I don't know why you're huh. not there. You know, I don't know why you're not there. Like, why the hell aren't you? You know? Yeah. And I, and I just come to the conclusion, like, well, for whatever it is, it's like, it's probably best that I'm not there. Right. Because, and you'll get there when you're supposed well, to get no, there. If you get there ever. Well, my point is, is that like, until they resolve whatever the thing is, uh-huh. there's no point in me being there anyway, because I wouldn't right. want to be there if no one, if someone's going to try and cut my, cut my balls off. Right. You know? <laughs> So I'll just I'll just go somewhere else and prove myself. Yeah, well, you just go somewhere else and be the NWA champion in sure. the meantime. It's really right. not Draw a bad money. gig. Yeah, right. Draw money. So Austin, do you think? And you know, and I'll occasionally ask, I'll ask you I'll ask your opinion on it too, Nick. Uh, that this younger generation and the younger, I guess, several generations, it's costing them that the territory system is not. It's not around. I mean, there are there. Are, indies and stuff but the, the territory system as we know it is 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 gone do you think that that is negatively affecting people's growth do you think that it's been replaced in the right way what's your opinion on it tough question uh you know i mean the everything evolves yeah it, it, everything changes you know we'll never stop change whether it's changing for the better or the changing for the worse you know but uh i i and we've talked about this a, a little bit. We, we we just kind of focus on on what we're doing and not really concerned with what anybody else is doing, which I think is just good business anyway. Yeah. But uh, with the, what I love about the NWA, it's really an opportunity for to create new fans. You know, because some will stumble on us. Hey, wow, that's cool, man. Did you see that? I mean, what Dave and Billy are doing with. Uh, our uh, 10 pounds of gold uh, on YouTube is just amazing. You know, you talk about the 10 pounds of gold and it's really funny because I found myself like I wouldn't have really seen a lot of these NWA championship matches because I'm not in the audience for them, right? Like I'm not at these shows. But when I read that you won the NWA championship, like I had this like, what? Like I was surprised by it and I was surprised at how much I was shocked how much I cared, and I realized that was because of the storytelling that had gone on on 10 Pounds of Gold that I had become emotionally invested right. in this thing that I wasn't even – I didn't even know I was missing, right? right. And and then I become emotionally invested. Oh, yeah, I remember Nick. He was in t- – yeah, let me see what, what's going on yeah. over here. And, and it really – the 10 Pounds of Gold stuff really did – it's it cool. Hooked me right in. It yeah, hooked it, me right it, it, in. It yeah. changed it for me. Yeah, it, and it's cool. I mean, it just it's it's now. It's current. It's cool. And and people. And it's not. It's it's like it doesn't feel if it's real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're you're figuring out how to tell real stories I'm, in wrestling, not you know doing yeah, like hokey you, stuff. Yeah, you really are. And I think it's it, that's the beautiful thing about it is that uh, especially people just happen to find it for the first time and they look at it and say, "Wow, that." I like that, you know, and I, and those episode after episode after episode, and you do, you see all these different athletes and their personalities coming out, and the production is great, and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm. It feels tickled. real because it is real. Yeah, right. It, exactly. Like right. what we're doing is it's authentic. Credi- the it's people credible. we're presenting is, are authentic. There's no scripts. There's no, you know, no one's telling us what to say. We say whatever, and then we 
that becomes the story. Right. Like, there's a story in everything. We took, you know, Tim Storm's 53-year-old school teacher who had the NWA title. I mean, that's what I thought was so unique that any other promotion, anyone else trying to paint their champion would never tell you, right. this guy teaches school. Right. This guy right. has a day job. This right. guy can't, isn't a full, you know what I mean? Right. That, that this is how he gets by, but he just wants to be this so bad. <laughs> in, that... in this era, you cannot lie. Right. And that's that's oh, where gosh. Of, that's you, where a lot of the business nope. has fallen off. I think. Yeah. No, you didn't tell me that in the beginning. <laughs> no one knows what's oh, true. Oh no, <laughs> you can't lie. I don't, oh I, I'm, no. I don't. I don't know what to believe with you. Oh, no. But you know what I'm saying. Right? Absolutely, like, the information you, is the, too the, accessible. The whole perception is reality, and we, they'll believe whatever we tell them to believe. Thing is much harder when people can just go like, click. Well, hold on. This says here that he was over here before, and he wrestled. You know, and what about all this? Uh, and we just said, that's compelling in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Everything is compelling. You know, the, the authenticity is what makes people feel something. And, and that's what made you feel something about Steve Austin. It's what made you feel something about, like, tell me the truth. You know, before, before Shawn Michaels, you know, when he was, he was, you could tell he was this brilliant performer. I mean, mm -hmm. you just see it and just go like, this guy's at a whole different level. You know, he's a savant in the ring. It was once you started hearing like, hey, did you hear that he got beat up in a bar? Or did you hear that he did this? You hear that suddenly there's this whole new like element of interest in this guy because you and now because now you're seeing him and he's like throwing little winks to it. And he was, you know, this is nothing new. Right. It's just we just we just decide we just took all the elements of it. Look, I know I push people's buttons. I know that there are people who are just like, I just, I just like I just rubs me the wrong way. You know, or this guy thinks he's better than everyone else. So, they, you know, this and that. And I go, OK, like. What, what we're gonna have? A, we're gonna have a whole roster of guys who are just walking around trying to be everybody's friend, right? You know, how that's boring, right? Right, and and the audience is smaller than it used to be because yeah. I believe that I'm 31, right? So like I'm part of that generation that we were just we were told make get to WWE, make it to WWE, get to WWE, but, but you have to you have to watch out, don't don't say this and don't see that, make sure you do this and make sure you do that, make sure you don't say this because you'll get heat, and you know, and it's just like, and you see that. I see it in people's performances. I see it in you their can, eyes. Right. So when somebody's cutting a promo like, in character, you can see you're insecure because of all this stuff. I, I see it all the time and I hear about it. Yeah. I hear about it, you know, firsthand about like the, 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 this, this, there's too many things, you know, there's too many balls in the air because you're too worried about a million different things that, that shouldn't be important because what should be important is what you project on the screen and making people feel something and go, I want to, buy a ticket to see that guy get his ass kicked or to kick the other guy's ass. But when there's the conditioning that goes into you got to get to WWE, you got to get to WWE, you got to get to WWE, this feeling of once you get there, oh my God, there's nothing other than this. Like this was the only thing that I could have done. So now that I'm here, well, and also, I have to keep a job. Yeah, and that's where the work really begins. Right. You know, and, that, and, and again, like I had to have an honest conversation with myself where I said, are you trying to get there now because you you know you want to go there and be successful or are you just trying to get there now because now because now it's just like approving a point you know now, now you're just trying to right. just just you know just because now because I'm, it was now my i'm goal. pissed off that everybody's going how come you're not there if i had a dollar right. for every time someone asked me why i'm not in the wwe i would never need to wrestle again okay <laughs> that'd be so drawing I, money just, right so i just go okay uh, you know what i want to do is be the person that the 10 year old me envisioned myself to be right and right now, this is the perfect platform to me to for me to do that. Are, are there people out there that you are hungry to have title matches with? Oh God! That uh, you want to really like? This is the NWA title match. I want to see me and this guy, me and that guy. There are there are 
you know many many i mean yeah. i know that uh, you know i know that there are a lot there are a lot of names being thrown around yeah um but to to us we look at it and go look how i'm telling you right now but remember that it was me that told you to mm -hmm. this year is going to be the craziest year in the business mm -hmm. for a long long time okay things are going to happen this year that people are just going to go like what happened like i can't like, look, look at back look at what happened in wrestling in 2018 yeah so the possibilities i think are, are much broader than people realize. Meaning it's guys that you're like, yeah, but that match would never happen. That's no, no, not, not the case anymore. Not so fast, my friend. Wow. And that's the way I'm, and you know, so a lot of these ones that are being thrown around, they may they may be a, a much stronger possibility than people realize. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because like when, when the last time a guy came in and said, I, Carl Anderson, before he was in WWE, and he was just, he was in New Japan at Bullet Club, and I asked him then, this is all these years ago, like, do you think Bullet Club it's kind of run its course, you know, with you guys over there right now. And he goes, we haven't even started. Like, you don't, I don't think you fully grasp like right. how far this thing can go. And I think about that and think about how far that thing has gone and continues to go. Like there, it's, it's unheard right. of what's happening over there. And I think that this is obviously because part starts, of that spirit, it right? In here. right? If you believe it and you have the courage to communicate it to the world and you have the ability to keep backing up what you say, it will happen. So who's who's who are a couple names of guys? Marty Skrull? Yeah. Cody? Yeah. I mean, you name them. Do you think you'll be at All In? Do you think I will be? Yeah. I don't know. Do you think I'll be? I, be, I would hope that you'll be. I think well, it'll that's be... A, I take that as a compliment. Yes. But, you know, it's not up to me. Right. I, all I can do is keep projecting the image of the real world's champion, and ultimately, if they want the genuine, the most prestigious, the most historic world's championship in the business at that show, they would be smart to do so. It's a no-brainer. Really, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, honestly, it is. It, you don't have to be a rocket science scientist to figure this thing out. I mean, you know, it's the NWA, the world's heavyweight champion. Nick is a phenomenal athlete, smart guy, classy guy, great communicator. I mean, he really carries himself incredibly well. I mean, why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you, you want him? I mean, why? I mean, really, you just look at and see what the other options are, and there are some great options out there. But I mean, this is a prime opportunity, and the traction, Sam, we're really grabbing some traction here now. This thing is really building, and yeah. building, and building, and building, and there will come a point. It, there's going to be a breakthrough moment. I mean when we were in TNA, there was a point where we were in we we were in the like the forgotten locker room. We used to joke we were in the forgotten trailer, you know. And <laughs> and some of the names that were in that room, myself, Kazuchika Okada, you know, the Young Bucks. <laughs> I mean, we, we we was you know, hey, are we have we got anything today? No, I was just play Gator Golf in the in the, in the in the trailer at the far end, you know. And then like, <laughs> and now look, yeah, you know, we well, I remember I remember sending them a text because I I just won the the TNA World Championship, and then like. Okada's headlining the dome like in, in January, and, and, and the Bucks are there. And I and I and I text him and said like, you know, this this sure beats uh, Gator Golf, you know, in the in the forgotten trailer. You know, it's like so it's like this, people have this image of me that like somehow I was sort of always just like had this easy ride, and I was like, you know, the, the things because I think half of that is just because I have the look that 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 this particular group of fans just sort of have to be diametrically opposed to because they feel they're supposed to, mm -hmm. but like. 
I've struggled too. I went through every level of that company. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. went through I went through being there and not being booked all the way to main eventing and, you know, being the world champion. So it's like I I, I understand it. I've I've been there. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, Austin, uh, I heard a story uh, about you online. Just one? Well, m- multiple stories about you. Okay, online, not true. But, uh, <laughs> None of them true. Could you uh, tell me the true story about uh, whether or not you won a, a battle royal uh, for $5,000 and then cashed the check and left the territory? That, that's, a hot, that's a hot question. I was, wasn't in the territory. You were not there? I wasn't in the territory. What no. do you mean? I wasn't there. I mean, they flew me in for one night. Oh, but you were, but I see. Okay. So the story that I've heard is it okay. was in Georgia. It's a battle royal for $5,000. Okay. There was actually a, a, a real check that was presented to the winner, but it was made out to winner of the battle royal. Okay. You got the check in your hand. I mean, I want, you're saying I won, you won the battle royal. I won it. Okay. Won the battle royal. Got let's, the check in your hand. Make sure we have all yes. the facts. Won the battle Correct, royal. Ladies and gentlemen. You had the check. The next morning. You looked at the, where the, the the bank that the check came from. You went to that bank. Uh, no. Okay, tell me then. No, no. I won. They. F- I was living in Florida. They flew me in to for the battle royal. Um, I won the battle royal. Presented with a check from the promoter, Fred Ward, who was a notorious thief. He was. Notorious thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheat, thief, and a liar. And those are the good points. And uh, so anyway... The, but when they, you're, you, you're presented a check, do you mean you're presented it in the ring in as the part ring. of the show? It, well, it was part of the wrestling event of the evening in Columbus, <laughs> Georgia. You know, I won the Battle of Royal. Fred came into the ring, grabbed the microphone, and they made the big announcement. Austin Idol, yada, yada, yada. He gives me the check. I take the check, fold it up, I put it in my tights, didn't think twice about it. Right. Went back to the locker room, took the check out, and I looked at the check, and wait a second. <laughs> it's made out to the winner of the Battle Royal, $5,000. It was signed by Fred Ward. And it's signed. It's signed by Fred Ward, and I was like, well, I am the winner. <laughs> that makes sense. It is signed by Fred Ward. He's saying this is the winner, and he earned this money mm-hmm. but i didn't think any really it just it was weird you know and uh, i took it home you I, didn't cash it no i took it went uh-huh. back to florida i took it home and just put it like in a sock drawer and it was like i don't know three four months later i stumbled on it and we happened to be taking a little trip christmas holidays to the carolinas so we're going through atlanta but as i stumbled on the check i said gosh that check's still there man i would just wonder you know <laughs> I think I'm going to cash this thing. <laughs> My wife said, you can't do that. You go to jail. I said, I don't know why. Why would I go to jail? I said, I'm going to cash it. You won the Battle Royal. Won the Battle Royal. Signed <laughs> by Fred Ward. Makes sense to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I did. So we, uh, I stopped at a bank in, uh, in, in, in Atlanta. I did had no account there. Hadn't been there in forever, right? And we went, hey, Mr. Isle, how you doing? Where you been? Blah, blah, blah. I went over, gave her the check. How would you like this? Hundreds. <laughs> Fine. Went back to the... Happy holidays, Merry Christmas! Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Cojones, it's called cojones. That is cojones. You gotta have cojones. Well, listen, guys, I gotta, I gotta release you, but 
Before I do, I would encourage everybody to keep up to date with 10 Pounds of Gold. If you just go on YouTube and search 10 Pounds of Gold, you can kind of get the uh, the, the the gist of everything that's been going on. And you can go back to the beginning. It's like, you know, 10-minute webisodes or whatever. You just kind of slam through them, yeah, and then watch. this great story is uh, is told. Uh, anything else that you guys want to uh, promote while you're no, on? That's it. Man. That's we, it. We, I, I, yeah, thank you. We want everyone to, to take in the 10 Pounds of Gold. We're, we're episode, what, 17 now? Same. I mean, it's... And it's, uh, you know, we're, we're building the momentum and there's there's a lot more to come. Well, I love it and I love uh, I love what's going on with wrestling right now and I love that there's new ideas and there's there's people that are that are getting out there and they're drawing money in new ways that actually relate to uh, to the way the audience can watch now. So uh, congratulations to you guys and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. For sure. Thank you once again to Nick Aldis. Don't forget, you want to be a part of the hottest new podcast around. That is Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Captive Audience. And it's available exclusively to the people who use the Stitcher Premium platform, the premium version of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, available at stitcher.com slash notsam. You'll get this podcast every week completely ad-free, so you won't have to hear stuff like this. And... You're going to get the Captive Audience Show. It's available exclusively on that platform, and it's part of your subscription. It's a great premise. I take somebody that would normally not watch the shows that I'm showing them, and I make them watch the shows that I want to show them. The newest episode that's up right now, I sit down and I make my wife watch the WCW pay-per-view, New Blood Rising. One of the worst shows you could ever watch. You can listen to me explain to my wife what's going on on that screen and why I still like wrestling afterwards in real time. You can watch along with us. It's the full show. Watch along with us and uh, and and listen and marvel as I try to come up with these excuse, excuses. The show is only available at stitcher.com slash notsam. It's called Captive Audience. Subscribe to Stitcher Premium today, stitcher.com slash notsam. Get the show. And now, speaking of the show, it's on with it. Here is Sam Roberts. Thank you very much to the NWA as a collective, Billy Corgan, Dave Lagana, as well as Austin Idol and uh, and 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 Nick Aldis. Very interesting. I had not heard. I guess I had heard the story about Austin Idol uh, cashing that check. I think on Jim Cornette's podcast, or maybe on you know they make all those YouTube videos of basically everything Jim Cornette says on his podcast. So I end up just going through. Cornette stuff on YouTube every now and again. And that's where I heard that story. So I just love, I mean, I find a check now that was actually written out specifically for me that's a real check. And I don't cash it. I call up the person, hey, is it cool if I still cash this? Not Austin Idol. No way. Goes to the bank. They know him. They know I'm a winner. They know I'm a wrestler. Of course I won the Battle Royal. No problem. And then he gets five grand in cash. Amazing. Unbelievable. Loved that story and loved having those guys uh, on the show. It really is cool. They're they're especially Nick Aldis really f- feels like he's passionate about what the NWA is doing. And I've talked about it before. I talk about it when I talk about the All In Show. I'm sure we'll talk about it in the State of Wrestling when we talk about Strong Style Evolved. But it is really cool to watch guys create an alternative. It's really cool to see because I, that's what you when you when you're in an industry like sports entertainment or any entertainment really, it's impossible. It's never effective, I should say, to just try to mimic the journey that somebody else has been on because stuff evolves all the time. There is no way, even a year ago, 
that Nick Aldis could have said, okay, yeah, and then I'll be the NWA champion. That'll be my next move. And then, like, never. Never in a million years. It wasn't a thing until it was a thing. And Nick Aldis just has to be the right person in the right place at the right time who goes, yeah, that's right up my alley. This this door was closing over here, not really offering me what I want, not really offering me what I think uh, I need to to display what I can do, but... There's this new premise over here that wasn't around before, but is pretty intriguing, but is something that I think I could be really good at. And, and I think it's really working, you know, that you, you have to be ready for opportunities that maybe didn't exist when you were in your planning stages. And when they do exist, you also have to be ready to kind of give it your all and really figure out, okay, as an individual, what can I put into this? to make it special? What can I put into this that nobody else can put into it to make it work? And let me do that and let me commit to it. Commitment is so important. Let me commit to this thing, even though it's kind of unproven, even though you know people may not know exactly what it is, let, I get it. I get it, I can wrap my head around this. Let me commit to it and commit to the idea of showing people what it is and what it can be. And I just think that that's a, a very cool thing to hats. So hats off to all those guys over at the NWA. But now it's time to get into, and of course, Nick Aldis did retain that NWA championship over the weekend from Tommy Dreamer at a House of Hardcore show, which really, if you know anything about Tommy Dreamer's ECW career, if Tommy Dreamer is fighting somebody at a House of Hardcore show, show and it's a big match, you can bet your bottom dollar Tommy Dreamer is not winning. That's who he is. He doesn't like to win matches. Good for Tommy. Uh, Let's get into it. It's State of Wrestling time, of course. Tons. Tons to break down as uh, we run out of road traveling to WrestleMania, uh, as well as Strong Style Evolved and, and so much. We'll get into it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to the most important part of the week, the State of Wrestling here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Happy to be here with you guys. Happy to be doing it with you. Uh, of course, we do State of Wrestling live uh, the night before the podcast comes out over at facebook.com slash notsam. It's whenever I get a chance to on a Wednesday. So uh, go ahead and like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash notsam, and you'll get a notification of when I go live or you can watch these videos later. But if I go to uh, comments from people in the chat, that's where I'm getting them from. The Facebook page, all right? So, it's time to get in to our top five stories of the week. It's a juicy week for wrestling, ladies and germs. There's a lot to talk about. I'm looking forward to breaking down this week. Let's start with the top five stories. Story number five of the top five is Strong Style Evolve. New Japan was back stateside uh, over the weekend, putting on Strong Style Evolved. I really enjoyed I have been a New Japan World subscriber in the past. I'm not currently just because I find it difficult to navigate because I don't speak the language. But, and I just don't, I you know, there's only so many hours in the day. But I did watch, I, I loved that Strong Style Evolve was on uh, Access TV Live. Uh, so I did get to watch it. And there's a couple of points. You guys know, before we get, well, let's get into the wrestling first. This is a wrestling podcast. The wrestling was fabulous. You know, I still think that this uh, Takahashi and Daryl are, to me, one of the most compelling duos in wrestling right now. 
I love anytime that dude comes out. I'm a big fan of the LIJ. You know, Naito is my favorite wrestler in the New Japan promotion right now. I mean, I think that any American promotion, WWE included, would be crazy not to grab him. I don't know why Triple H has not made the move to get Naito in NXT. I think, you know, with that kind of charisma that that guy has, and he's just so unique and compelling and a guy that you want to watch. If I'm Triple H, I'm trying to get Naito to be a headliner in NXT as soon as possible because I just think the world of him. But the whole LIJ crew is amazing over there. Notice I'm saying LIJ because I always have such problems pronouncing Los Ingobernales. Close? Maybe? No. Um, so yeah, so, so, so that's how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, so it, it was great there. Uh, you know, the, it was fun watching, uh, the, the Jushin Thunder Liger match. Who do you face? Will Ospreay? No. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Fun match. Uh, but of course, uh, the main event, the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks did not go down an ounce. I mean, in terms of expectations. That lived up to expectations in a big, big way. Uh, especially, especially uh, being on this show. Like, it really just... And, and it's amazing that New Japan consistently lives up to expectations. Because expectations are raised so high. Anybody that knows about these shows knows that, okay, that's the match we're going to see. Golden Lovers and the Young Bucks. And it really was an absolutely phenomenal match uh, and made the whole show worth it. If I'm New Japan, I maybe am thinking about doing two, two and a half hours instead of four hours and really just maybe figuring out, maybe do two two-hour shows instead of one four-hour show that you broadcast live uh, and, and you know, figure out what the best of the best of the best is. But that's just because four hours is a lot to ask for from anyone, right? Like, I don't mind four hours of original New Japan content live on my TV. It's just in one block. It gets to be a lot. I end up having to watch in increments. You know, I watch the first part live and then I DVR the rest and have to go back and watch the next morning or whatever or come home from work and watch. So I just, I, I do think that maybe making it a little more digestible. I think that in order for New Japan to really jump into the American market, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity for them to do so. There's, they have the talent. The production value was much better on this show than the last United States show. Still wasn't the production value of the Tokyo Dome, obviously, but I thought that the last U.S. show, which I believe was the United States title tournament that aired live, uh, was lacking in production value in the sense that the walls looked bare, everybody was flat, no bleachers. Like, this show, aesthetically, looked like a much bigger deal than the last show. This show looked like a promotion that you should take seriously. I do think, all due respect to Josh Bartnett and JR, that uh, I, I, I think that you need to find, I don't want to say younger commentators, but just, I think New Japan needs to brand commentators that are their own. And I, I think that I want to hear in the commentary for New Japan, somebody that bleeds New Japan, right? When you listen to WWE commentary, say what you want about it, but... It sounds to me, whether you're Corey Graves or Michael Cole or Jonathan Coachman or Tom Phillips or Byron Saxton, whoever you are, I don't care if you're on 205 Live, 
Every commentator on WWE TV sounds like they are on a steady diet of WWE Kool-Aid. And I think that that helps the product immensely because it's the commentators that are delivering that message to you through audio. That Those are the, the voices that are being put to the stories that are told. And I just think that... <coughs> wow, excuse me. New Japan, either Josh Barnett and JR need to kind of... Uh, shift their focus in the way they do things or you need to find a duo or a trifecta that that can relate to us as an American audience but feel like they bleed New Japan right I, I want to feel like this is all that they watch that, that they view you know when you would watch ECW Joey Styles at no point would you doubt that there had been a minute of ECW that Joey Styles had ever missed. Joey Styles, it felt like he ate, slept, and breathed ECW. And that's really necessary when you're a smaller promotion trying to gain uh, a loyal audience. Because that's the way New Japan is going to prosper, is by uh, creating an audience with super, super brand loyalty to it. You're never going to be as big of a mainstream success as WWE. And if you are, it's going to take 20 years. But if you want to get a chunk of that market and be real about it, like, let's be honest. Yes, New Japan shirts are selling in Hot Topic, but for the most part, that's Bullet Club stuff. And that's elite stuff. And that's because the Bullet Club have and the elite, through their YouTube show, through their different promotions that they work for, whether they're in New Japan or Ring of Honor or Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, wherever they are, the elite carries themselves the exact same way. It's like one long storyline that goes from promotion to promotion to promotion to YouTube. And that's how they create this loyal, loyal base. And that's what you need to do when, you're, when you don't have a corporate machine behind you. You need to create a loyal base and something for people to get behind that is consistent. And I think that that's the message that needs to be delivered through New Japan's commentary. I mean, these guys need to know every wrestler, every move, like the back of their hands. They need to know every story that's being told and why it's being told. I need to be able to come up to a commentator for New Japan and just, you know, at a moment's notice, say like, hey, what? why are they called the Golden Lovers? Well, and get into the rich story that is Okada and Omega, you know, and really get in detail, 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 detail. Like that, to me, is what New Japan really needs. They need somebody who's cool. I'm not saying JR and Josh Barnett aren't cool, but they need somebody cool. They need somebody that incorporates all this stuff. Cool, relatable, fun, diehard New Japan. And that's the most important part. Diehard New Japan. Lance Bader says, Jim Ross is great, just not necessarily for New Japan. But that's what I think. I think Jim Ross is great at calling the action that's in the ring. And he was great at telling stories in WWE, but let's be honest, in WWE, Jim Ross was in charge of the talent. So Jim Ross was heavily invested in all of the talent. Jim Ross was heavily invested in getting all of the talent over because that was his talent. Because if Mick Foley becomes famous... That's a, that's a feather in JR's cap. So JR is going to go the extra mile. Not to say he wouldn't anyway, but there was that extra incentive for JR to, you know, really try to get Mick Foley over. 
and know why he was getting Mick Foley over and know what the story is that he's telling. And, and, and it's not just something that you can blame Josh Barnett and JR for because maybe the communication in New Japan is not great. Maybe this is something where Mark Cuban and Access TV hired these guys and New Japan is not communicating with them in the right way to get these stories to them because, you know, that is essential. The promotion has to be uh, talking to the commentary at all time. Why do you think in WWE, with everything Vince McMahon has going on, he's still producing commentators? Because it's that important of a message, the commentators, to me. So... I think that that's something New Japan needs to do, and I still think that they need to up their production value a little bit, but, you know, they have the, whether it's Omega or Okada or Naito or or Tanahashi or Takahashi, like, you got, you got all these characters that are breaking through, all of them. And it's not like you need only, like, the American guys. It's not like you have to have a Cody Rhodes. Yeah, Cody Rhodes is great. It's not like they need to be British and they have to be Marty Skrull or they have to be the Bullet Club. Like, you've got Japanese guys that are getting over just as strong. And that's amazing. Without cutting promos, they're getting over just as strong. But I need the commentators to consistently be reminding me of what Naito's story is, why he doesn't care. I think one of the most brilliant things that Naito does is he wears this suit to the ring, but it's not a tearaway suit. And I, it may be minutia, and it may even sound a little creepy, but the way Naito like, takes his suit off without ripping it away like wrestler style, like he just sits there and takes a suit off. He's got tights on under it. That is the tranquilo style. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's throwing the belt all over the place. He doesn't care. Explain that attitude to me. Explain why. Why is he wearing that suit? Why didn't he get tearaway pants? You know, what, what is going on? Why does he not seem to care about the fans? Well, why does he care a little bit more about the fans now than he used to? Well, all those stories to me need to be told. Justin is suggesting uh, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. They're outstanding, but I don't know if Don Callis would do it now, with uh, his involvement in Impact, that seems like a uh, uh, conflict of interest. So, yeah, you know, but but all told, it says, uh, uh, JR said on the Edge and Christian podcast that Access told him to call the NJPW matches like a sporting event and not worry about the storylines. Not a great idea, but it's Access, according to JR. And I 100% believe that. I 100% believe that. But that's wrong. It's bad instructions. Stories are what is going to push this thing forward. You know, wrestling fans will watch because it's good wrestling, but stories are what's going to suck people in. Stories are what's going to create the loyal audience that you need. Stories are what creates that groundswell. In ECW, they had amazing... Because ECW is about as close to anything that you can compare what New Japan can do in the States to. ECW had violence, had great wrestling, had crews, had all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it was the stories that got you going. It was Terry Funk living out the lyrics to his theme song, Desperado by the Eagles, by winning the ECW championship when we all know he should have retired. And that's your story. It was Raven and the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer and Beulah and all this stuff happening. It was the, it was the Sandman's son leaving him to follow Raven. It was Tommy Dreamer getting Beulah pregnant. It was, you know what I mean? It was all this stuff. They took Jerry Springer. They, ECW was the first promotion to take Jerry Springer stuff. 
and put it on a wrestling show, but also have great wrestling. So it didn't make you feel like a total ass for watching. It didn't insult your intelligence because in between all these ridiculous stories was really great wrestling. That's what New Japan can do. And that's what New Japan should be doing because there are great stories. They're not being told though. If you really research the stories that are behind these matches in New Japan, you can find great stories. Those stories are not being told. We can't assume everybody that watches Access is going to be Wikipediaing all these New Japan athletes. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, stories will bring more people in to appreciate the in-ring work of New Japan is 100% dead on, Justin. 100% dead on. Um, so yeah. So that's what I think about Strong Style Evolve. But success and a step in the right direction for New Japan. I think with it, it was it was better than the last state state side show, and that's all you can really ask. I think New Japan needs to make a consistent effort to do more shows in the states, even if it's just in LA. That's totally fine. More shows in the states, more shows that are live on Access, maybe a pay per view at some point that's live. Put, I mean, Jesus, put Wrestle Kingdom on pay per view. I don't know what's stopping you from putting Wrestle Kingdom on pay per view. But get on American TV in a real way, not in like, you know, a best of way. And get these stories out there, man. Tell these stories. Speaking of telling stories, we move on to story number four here on the State of Wrestling. And that is the press junket that Ronda Rousey was on earlier this week. Ronda Rousey made headlines. First, she was on first take and uh, did not want to answer questions about the negative response that she got from the MMA community when she started losing uh, fights. Uh, and that got awkward. Then she had a second interview with uh, Golik and Wingo, where, uh, I, actually, I, I think we might have it here. Um, tell me if you can hear this. Let's go back and, and start with when you knew from the, the MMA, when you were done there, when you, when you knew in your mind, I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Ah, so there is a possibility that you could go back in time? <laughs> There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? <laughs> go back in time and, and, and fight. Go back in the octagon. I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. <laughs> Would you fight again? I don't know. So clearly, look, first of all, people are on her case about that. Uh, I would say Golik left out at least a comma. And I got really into it on my YouTube show at youtube.com slash notsam over on Sam Roberts now. Golik left a comma out. He did say, would you go back in time? And she was like, I can't go back in time. I'm not a time traveler. So, but she was trolling him clearly, right? She was clearly trolling him because she didn't want to answer the questions because she doesn't want to talk about the end of her MMA career. I don't even think she really wants to talk about MMA. And I was talking to Jim Norton about it, who's my co-host on uh, SiriusXM and knows a lot more about MMA than I do. And he brought up the good point that Rhonda was super emotional. She's a very emotional person. And she was super emotional after she lost her last fight. Very emotional about it and to the point where she couldn't talk about it. She felt like, it, like God hated her or something. So I think that that's part of it. I think Ron is this emotional person and maybe she can't handle those questions. She should be able to. If she's going to have this kind of spotlight on her, she needs to be able to figure out a way to get out of those questions without it seeming weird. But, you know, I don't mind her trolling these interviewers. I really don't mind. You know, it's not like, you know, 
Golik has done amazing things for the wrestling community. It's if Ronda wants to troll him, troll him all she wants. Um, I, I I'm curious as to how WWE felt about those interviews. You know, one person tweeted me and said, uh, you know, Ronda was obviously media trained, and I was like, you think media training leads you to uh, talking about your ability to time travel? You think somewhere in a media training course? They said, if anybody asks you about MMA, divert the question uh, and try to get back to the space-time continuum. That's realistic. I don't think that that was media training. I think that Rhonda, they said she was stupid. Rhonda's smart. Like, obviously Rhonda knew that it wasn't a question about time travel. But the fact that Rhonda that quickly put those pieces together and said, I don't want to answer this question. I don't like the question. So I'm just going to go with time travel. Like that quick? I think she's smart and put that together because she clearly didn't want to answer questions about MMA. I think she's going to have to, and honestly, she should because she's promoting WrestleMania. One of the reasons that she's at WrestleMania in as high caliber of a match as she is with Kurt Angle taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon is because of how famous she got in MMA. So if we're going to talk about her, she's not there because she's this amazing pro wrestler yet she could be at some point hopefully but that's not why she's there she's there because of the fame that she comes in with and I don't have a problem with that I don't mind that concept at all but what is the fame that you come in with well it's my MMA career okay well then interviewers are going to want to ask about your MMA career they can't ask about your wrestling stuff you've had three in-ring segments four if you count pointing at the sign but you know once you get past what were you pointing at the sign and she goes yep what, because so you want to go to WrestleMania? Uh-huh. Okay. Kind of covered that entire segment. <laughs> you know? Then it comes down to beating up Dana Brooke, beating up Absolution, and setting up the match with Stephanie. And that's it. So, you know, the idea that there may be questions about the past that Ronda has had in MMA is not crazy to me. I don't think that that's an insane thing. But, you know, whatever. Ronda didn't want to answer him, so... She didn't. It said, uh, is Ronda kind of like the uh, reverse of CM Punk in this situation where she doesn't want to talk about MMA? You know, I wonder, because CM Punk did not want to talk about pro wrestling. He wanted to, because he, he, he left with a bad taste in his mouth for wrestling. So he didn't really want to talk about WWE very much. Um, and so, I don't know, Ronda, but, but CM Punk was pretty vocal about that. CM Punk was pretty vocal about the fact that he doesn't like wrestling. He doesn't want to talk about it. Ronda has not done that. Ronda has not specifically said she doesn't want to talk about MMA. So I don't exactly know where she stands on that. I don't know if her exit from MMA was ugly or if she just doesn't like the way the last two fights went. Because on some level, she's really happy to be in WWE. I mean, you see it all over her face. That's the one thing that, say what you want about Ronda Rousey, you can't act like she's not ecstatic to be where she is. There's no questioning about whether or not she's a fan of pro wrestling. So the fact that she's as happy as she is to be where she's at would lead me to believe that there couldn't be that much venom for the MMA industry. But who knows? Who knows? It's possible. It's a good, it's a good point. Um, and it was great to see her with Paige on Raw because I think it highlighted Paige is very underrated when it comes to promos. And people say she does good promos, but she's underrated. Paige might be, probably Paige and Alexa Bliss are the best female promos in WWE. I don't think anybody 
can hold a candle. Charlotte's good because Charlotte feels like it's real. But in terms of just doing wrestling promos, I don't think any woman comes close to Paige and Alexa Bliss. Those are the two. So to see Paige go out there, and that's why Paige, like, still has such value in WWE for absolution. Like, would you be as excited for the segment that you saw on Raw on Monday if it were just Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose coming out and they were the ones doing the talking? Not to take anything away from those two. I think they're really phenomenal. I think that they... uh, Bringing those two from NXT was a move that most people didn't expect, but was the right move 100%. Because watching those two develop over the last few months and really feel like big stars when you see them in action. But they're not Paige, right? So allowing Paige to be a mouthpiece for two women that when they're in the ring feel like giant stars because of what they're doing really is a recipe for major, major success. So I, I think that it was cool to see Paige get a chance to do that. Uh, very telling though, that, and Carmella is underrated. John Sosis is saying, yes, Carmella is extremely underrated. I think Carmella's promos specifically are great. And the way she yaps throughout her entire matches, I think is just brilliant. I have laughed so many times and found myself entertained so many times at the vocal reactions that Carmella has to things in the middle of her matches, whether it's screaming or just trash talking, whatever it is. I think she's great. I think Carmella is great. But Alexa Bliss and Paige are the, are, are the top of the top as far as I'm concerned with female promos. Lance says Stephanie, of course. I mean, I guess I feel like Stephanie McMahon is almost in a league of her own, especially after that uh, WrestleMania entrance for Triple H. I guess some people didn't like that, but I loved it. Uh, the 32 entrance I'm talking about. Um, all right. I guess we can move on to uh, number three. Uh, number three story of the week. New WrestleMania matches announced, huh? New WrestleMania matches announced. New WrestleMania uh, participants added two matches. So, I I think that they might have announced the Andre Battle Royal last week, but we st- the participants are starting to fill up. Of course, Mojo's going to be in the Andre Battle Royal again. Zack Ryder had a great tweet about that. Mojo tweeted something about uh, making this you know two, a two-time winner of this Battle Royal. And Zack Ryder tweeted back, is Gronk going to be in the front row again? (laughs) Zinger. Um, Matt Hardy's going to be in it. I I hope that Matt, because the Andre Battle Royal is is a yet-to-be-determined number of participants, it changes every year. I think the first one had 30. I think, like, Dallas had, like, 22. You know, and you never know. I hope especially because they don't have spots on the show uh, regard, uh, uh, besides for this. I hope we not only see Brother Nero return, but I hope that we see Broken Bray. Whatever, whatever Bray Wyatt, whatever form Bray Wyatt takes in the Broken Universe, I'd like to see him pop into the Andre Battle Royal because if all three of those superstars are in that Battle Royal, then you can do something cool where they have their moment to shine or whatever, and they, not one of them has to win because you get to see, you know, you don't you don't feel like, oh, Matt Hardy was just in and out. Like, we invested all this TV time into doing the broken Matt Hardy thing. Then we acknowledged, the, I mean, woken Matt Hardy. And then we, it's like 15 minutes, 17 minutes of TV time at the end of the show. And then we acknowledged what Michael Cole said. So there's there's been work put into this thing. And it's like, I don't need woken Matt to necessarily win the Andre Battle Royal, but... It shouldn't just be, oh, there's Woken Matt, he's in, and he's wrestling, then you got eliminated. It should be like, let's get the Woken universe involved. 
You know, let's have Brother Nero. Let's have uh, Broken Bright. Let's do all that stuff uh, because I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be really, really cool. But so you've got that. You've got new women being added to the women's uh, battle royal, the WrestleMania women's battle royal, which include, much to my chagrin, Sasha Banks and Bailey. All I wanted, I mean, you want you want the women's revolution to come full circle. All I wanted was for there to be a Sasha Banks versus Bailey grudge match at WrestleMania this year. Was that too much to ask? Was it too much to ask? You're giving me the storyline. And it feels like it's going to be Sasha Banks turning heel, which is exactly what you need to do with that uh, lovely young woman anyway. So good as a heel. But you're giving me the story. You're allowing me to see this friendship fall apart. I don't want to see these two in the Battle Royal. I want to see Sasha versus Bailey, no titles on the line, grudge match, singles match at WrestleMania. I want to see Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss and Charlotte versus uh, Asuka and the Ronda Rousey match and Sasha versus Bailey. Is that too much? Is that too much to ask? Three women's matches and a fourth one that involves a woman, Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon, two women, a mixed tag and three women's matches. I think that'd be an amazing thing for WrestleMania, especially if you've got a story to tell between Bailey and Sasha. But I suppose twasn't meant to be because now uh, both Bailey and Sasha have been announced uh, in the women's uh, battle royal. So it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, and so, and uh, I mean, unless they pull something out of their hat on Raw next week, but it seems like the reason that those battle royals exist are for people who don't have matches on the show. So I don't, I don't think that they would be in the battle royal and then also have a match. So. For me, hope is pretty much gone for that happening. It's unfortunate. Uh, of course, the John Cena-Undertaker match has yet to be announced. We have not seen a graphic. And you know my graphics, uh, my, my rule, since WrestleMania season started, if you don't have a graphic, you don't have a match. We've heard a, a bunch of matches have been made. Whether it was Asuka versus Alexa Bliss, whether it was Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, whatever it was. Plenty of matches have been made. Graphics have not been shown. Those matches aren't happening. Those matches were changed. And when they were changed, a graphic came up. And you know what happened? Cemented. Done. Cemented. It's happening. No graphic has been shown for John Cena versus The Undertaker. I mean, every part of me has to believe that that match is happening. And I still, go back to the podcast I did with Wade Keller a couple weeks ago, I still firmly stand on my idea uh, and many of uh, idea. I wasn't the first person to suggest this, but I broke down a, a scenario as to why the Undertaker should be the American badass. Slightly altered, you know. You don't need a bunch of American flags and all that stuff. Still all in black, black leather pants, black tank top, all that stuff. You know, dark hair, not red hair. But biker Undertaker, American badass Undertaker, Kid Rock Undertaker. I broke down on a podcast a couple weeks ago why I thought that should happen. I sold myself on it. I know I've sold a bunch of you on it because you guys have reached out to me. Um, and I think that that has to happen this year at WrestleMania. And I think it has to close the show. Over on the SmackDown side, you had a really interesting SmackDown. I feel like on Raw, we were more dealing with here are the matches and just letting the matches kind of speak for themselves. Over on SmackDown, we had two new matches announced and one new addition to be made. The new addition, which I thought should have been there from the beginning. Um, something that's really 
going to save you, I think. Rusev being added to the United States Championship match. It's now a fatal four-way, which is great because you have you don't have... A, that's now the other match that was announced. Okay, you don't, you're not inundated with triple threat matches because the Intercontinental Championship match is a triple threat match, which is what it should be. Um, so to have the U.S. title as a triple threat match feels like, okay, we're doing on SmackDown what we did on Raw. Making it a fatal four-way differentiates it and... If Rusev was simply in the Andre Battle Royal, unless he won the thing, all night in New Orleans, people would be chanting, Rusev Day, Rusev Day. Now that you've got Rusev in a prime slot, I don't think he's going to win the United States Championship. I'd be really happy if he did. I hope he wins the United States Championship. I don't think he will. I don't think the Rusev Day character needs the U.S. Championship. But because of what that guy has done and because of how much I love the character... There's no part of me that won't be jumping up and down cheering if Rusev win does if Rusev wins the US championship. I mean, it's gonna be great if he wins. I doubt he will. But so that match was made. Rusev added to the Fatal Four Way, and again, like, of course. Of course. And I think that the reason he was added was because maybe in the beginning, you know, the story that was being told between Randy and Jinder and Bobby was the story. And we didn't realize how crazy things would get for Rusev, but now that they're crazy, here they are. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, and the two matches that were made, one, both we kind of saw coming. Triple threat tag match, so another triple threat match. You got two, I believe, two triple threat matches at WrestleMania this year. Uh, now one fatal four-way. Triple threat match, tag team championships, uh, Bludgeon Brothers versus New Day versus Usos. And if it's up to me, that's a Bludgeon Brothers victory. I think WrestleMania should be the coming out party for the Bludgeon Brothers. It's worked, and I didn't know at first if it would, but the Bludgeon Brothers thing is working. Uh, you're, you're, it's seeing Luke Harper and Eric Rowan doing something that people are really behind. When I decided that this is a team you should go all the way with, was it Fastlane? When the fans are booing the Bludgeon Brothers coming out, not because they're bad guys, but because they're interrupting the New Day versus the Usos. Fans wanted to see New Day versus the Usos. They wanted to see that match. And they were booing that it got interrupted. They were booing that there was a schmoz. But the work that the Bludgeon Brothers did was so good that they got back into the match even though it was being interrupted and not necessarily what they thought that they wanted, but it turned out it was what they wanted. So, super happy that that match is happening. Absolutely think that the Bludgeon Brothers need to walk out of WrestleMania as the tag team champions and just start tearing stuff up on SmackDown. I think that the Usos, I, it, it would be a great story. They're baby faces anyway, now. And I think it would be a great story. They finally get their shot at WrestleMania. This match should not be on the pre-show because a big enough deal was made out of the Usos not getting their WrestleMania time. I think it should be on the main show. I think that seeing the Usos finally get the opportunity to be on the main show and then not win is a more compelling story than seeing them win. I think that it leads them into a story of trying to get the ta tag team titles back, the impossible task of the Usos trying to get the titles back from the Bludgeon Brothers. And I think the New Day, number one, don't need it. And number two, will be broken up within months, in my personal opinion. I believe that that's going to happen. I mean, what else can you do with them? They got a cereal. They got a book. They got action figures. They got shirts. They got unicorn horns. 
What else do you need? If, if you can't figure out a way to get them a shoe deal, break them up. I think that the New Day is broken up by the summer. Um, so to me, it's a no-brainer. Put the titles on the Bludgeon Brothers at WrestleMania and let that audience see these guys and take them seriously. You know, and I think that you're going to be able to get that done. Plus, it's a triple threat match, which means no holes barred, which technically actually gives you an out. If it's no holes barred, the New Day can wrestle all three of them because nobody's going to get disqualified. And the Usos and the New Day can both use foreign objects, chairs, whatnot against the Bludgeon Brothers. So you could have the Bludgeon Brothers lose even though... It's because, you know, they got tied up or, or, or beat down with foreign objects or whatever. You could also have the Usos pin the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. Like, the, the Bludgeon Brothers can get out of this scot-free. I hope that they don't. I hope that they win the titles and get out of it that way. Uh, the other match, of course, that was made, and this is interesting, and it's going to lead us into story number two, is the tag match that we all kind of saw coming, though it was in question on Tuesday afternoon. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn lose, they stay fired. If they win, they get reinstated. So, you know, I I would imagine Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are going to lose and Shane McMahon is going to take the pin unless there's something creative that they're going to do with uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Who knows? But I say uh, that, uh, 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 let's see. Grant says they're selling too much merch, so they'll probably leave them together. I mean, I, you know, they're not, I, I, they've sold all the merch is what I'm saying. And you can't just beat it until it's dead. Because then nobody's going to care. And they still got to be a, if the New Day is still kind of hot and you break them up, it's a huge deal. And I think that that's what's going to happen. Um, with the rumored superstar shakeup after Mania and the stipulation of the Brian, blah, 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 blah. Can you see Miz taking out Brian and the payoff coming quick? No, 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 no. You're getting way ahead of yourself. Don't worry about the Miz and Daniel Bryan yet. Worry about that at SummerSlam. The Miz has a lot to do. I mean, Daniel Bryan has a lot to do before we get into Give it time. For me, as I broke down on my Daniel Bryan special, my Daniel Bryan-Miz scenario is Daniel Bryan versus the Miz at WrestleMania 35. Give it a year. Don't let them touch each other. Because who knows what's going to go on with Daniel Bryan. I mean, when he was making that match this week, we heard the promo. He took off his blazer. Daniel Bryan may be done as general manager of SmackDown. And if he is, who's going to replace him? Maybe it'll be Hulk Hogan. There are rumors circulating that that could be it. I think that that would be amazing if that happened, you know. But if that were to happen, then you have a lot of scenarios. You have Daniel Bryan possibly going to Raw. You have Miz possibly going back to SmackDown. But I don't rush it. Don't rush it. There's plenty to do. Plenty to do between now and WrestleMania 35 that you don't need to do your Daniel Bryan Miz match just yet, in my personal opinion. But the reason that I said that uh, uh, we were in question on Tuesday afternoon as to whether or not this thing was going to happen between Shane and Daniel versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is story number two, injuries leading to WrestleMania and how apparently they're a non-issue. So a couple of injuries. First, we'll start with uh, Charlotte, who a lot of people had questions um, about whether Charlotte was uh, injured or not. I guess first was AJ Styles a week ago, but he apparently has been cleared. He's fine. He had some kind of ankle thing that he was uh, working with at Madison Square Garden a week and a half ago. Apparently he's fine. 
And he said in an interview that even if he had to have his foot amputated, he would still be wrestling at WrestleMania against Nakamura. Um, so you had Charlotte, who was not on Mixed Match Challenge this week, was not wrestling on SmackDown this week, um, and, and the question was whether or not she was injured. Uh, as of today, injured, injured, injured. As of today, I think I saw it on Pro Wrestling Sheet, but I think Meltzer reported it too. They said... The word on the street is that Charlotte had swelling that was related to uh, some kind of dental surgery. She had some kind of infection on her tooth or something like that. So it was just dental surgery, not a physical injury or anything like that. So Charlotte will be fine, will be back to work, is going to be on SmackDown this coming week, and of course will be at WrestleMania. So the Charlotte-Oscar match is not in any danger, is what these websites are reporting. And I'm going to believe them because I'm an optimistic guy, and I hope that it's the truth. Uh, The second injury that popped up this week was Shane McMahon. Of course, on SmackDown this week, we heard Daniel Bryan say that Shane McMahon was in the hospital uh, after the attack from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. The reality is that apparently Shane McMahon, the word on the street, the story on the internet, is that he is suffering from diverticulitis, which is the same ailment that basically ended Brock Lesnar's MMA career, or at least stopped it. I wouldn't say end it because he may be going back to it Plus, he had, he had that one other fight while he was in WWE. But I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Lesnar returned to MMA sometime after WrestleMania. So it didn't end his career, but it certainly slowed it down. And it remains to be seen uh, whether it's had any effect on it, whether it has any effect on him now. But apparently Shane was diagnosed with it earlier this week. And a lot of people were speculating, maybe over the weekend, a lot of people were speculating as to who Daniel Bryan would call out as a mystery partner, who would replace Shane McMahon, blah, blah, blah. As of SmackDown, the match, the challenge was issued, the match was made, and Daniel Bryan said that Shane McMahon would be at WrestleMania. So apparently they're doing some kind of emergency thing for him, taking care of his diverticulitis, and they're going to have him at WrestleMania. Now, I think WWE is a little, one match in WWE is a little bit easier to handle with diverticulitis than a UFC fight because people can be aware of what's going on and avoid that area of your body. You can wear special padding. You can do all kinds of stuff and let Daniel Bryan handle most of the match. You can do all kinds of stuff to hide that. Although with Shane, that's going to be difficult if he's got to hide anything because people are used to the risk-taking, the jumping off the thing, the doing, you know what I mean, doing all kinds of, doing something. Even with all the excitement of Daniel Bryan returning to the ring, there's got to be some kind of wackadoodle, crazy Shane McMahon spot somewhere in that match. So, um, we'll see if he can pull that off, and we'll see. I I certainly hope that he is wrestling, because I do think that as much as you could find somebody cool to be a tag team partner, uh, I think that it would take away from the Daniel Bryan return if Shane McMahon is not his partner because part of this thing is watching this return happen. You know, does that make sense? That that Shane, the storyline with Shane McMahon is what's being paid off with this return. It's not just the fact that Daniel Bryan is returning. It's a story that has been being told since November and it's the biggest story on SmackDown. So, you know, it would be a real shame for Shane McMahon not to be in that match, but I find it hard to believe that they would announce Shane McMahon last night and have him not make WrestleMania. It just wouldn't make sense. Uh, Some people are saying 
Jericho would be great. Jericho would be great. Jericho would be great. Um, yes, of course Jericho would be great. But Jericho's got Fozzy gigs. Jericho's, I mean, he, he he is involved in the story in the sense that Kevin Owens and Jericho. But I almost feel like Jericho returning would be such a big deal for WrestleMania that I would, if he were to return, I would want it in a match that wasn't Daniel Bryan's match, if that makes sense. For me, you know, I'd, I'd be psyched if Jericho were returning for WrestleMania. I would just want it to be more just about Jericho returning and not uh, Daniel Bryan, you know. Which leads me to my number one story of the week, and this is something that was just started breaking uh, uh, very recently. I'm going to talk about betting odds. I know some people don't like to talk about betting odds, but I'm going to talk about betting odds because it relates to a theory that I developed earlier this week it has, that it doesn't really have anything to do with the betting odds. There are Vegas betting odds that The Rock will be at WrestleMania. And I would say, in my personal humble opinion, informed but humble opinion, uh, I think that it's a safe-ish bet that The Rock would be at that show, at WrestleMania. I don't see why he wouldn't be. But here's what I think. I do not think that Elias will be Braun Strowman's partner. And I don't know what Jonathan Coachman was talking about on commentary. He said Elias is trying to figure out how what his spot is at WrestleMania. No, he's not. Elias is not trying to figure out where he fits in at WrestleMania. Elias has made it clear he is performing at WrestleMania. Elias is coming to WrestleMania to perform. Just listen to what these guys are saying. Listen to what the story being told is. Elias is coming to WrestleMania to have a grand performance in the middle of the Superdome. The Rock is going to interrupt Elias's performance. At WrestleMania, The Rock and Elias will square up. This works on many, many different levels. Number one, they can do a sing-off. Well, since Rock's baby left him, it's right at the end of Jabroni Driver Smackdown Hotel. The Rock became famous for his rock concerts in that build to the Stone Cold match, I believe, when he was a bad guy. Okay, and he's done it since. He did one for Vicky Guerrero. He's done, he's done it since then. The Rock and his rock concerts is a thing. A stool, a guitar, spotlight, The Rock singing. A stool, a guitar, spotlight, Elias singing. Okay, it's comparable in that space. Elias wants to be, or, or we want to see Elias in a spot at WrestleMania that is high, high, high caliber. Okay, how about the spot with The Rock? that every major sports media platform is going to be running after WrestleMania. Quite frankly, sports platforms, entertainment platforms, news platforms, if The Rock does something at WrestleMania, they're all going to be running it. Let's put Elias in that spot. You know, we saw it happen with John Cena, so we know that that's the thinking behind it. Hopes are apparently high for Elias, and I know I feel that, and I think most of you do too. The Rock is absolutely absolutely going to interrupt Elias' performance at WrestleMania. You heard it here first. That There you go. And that's what I would do. I would stop at nothing if I were putting this show together to keep The Rock secret. Because, I mean, can you imagine that crowd when he's sitting there like, New Orleans sucks, Bourbon Street's dirty, blah, 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 blah. Yes, smell what The Rock is cooking. Oh, my God. You've got the Daniel Bryan return pop. 
You've got the the AJ Nakamura pop. You've got the Ronda Rousey pop. You've got the Undertaker pop. You got the Rock surprising everybody pop. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's going to be Orville Redenbacher all over the Superdome. Just pop, 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 pop. If this goes down the way I see it in my head going down. You know, I, I, I just, I, I just, in, in my personal opinion, The Rock will be there to interrupt Elias' performance. And it's going to be a great segment. And I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to get all the tweets from you guys when it happens saying, you called it again, Sammy. You called it again. Let the WWE know they need a creative guy. Come and knock on my door. Thank you all for being a part of this week's episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget, if you're not already to be a part of Stitcher Premium, you can get this show completely ad-free. And every two weeks, a new episode of Captive Audience gets dropped over on Stitcher Premium exclusively. It's at stitcher.com slash notsam. This uh, latest episode... I make my wife watch New Blood Rising in real time. The whole show, you can watch along on the network as you listen to the podcast. You don't want to miss it. Stitcher.com slash NotSam. Thank you all for being a part of this. And we will see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.